All right, well, hello, church family. Good to see y'all this morning. I thought Doug was about to start preaching. I was getting, all right, come on. <laughs> um, but hey, it's been a while since I've been up here. Uh, we've been kind of busy lately um, because my wife gave birth to our third daughter in July. Okay, yeah. Uh, they're doing great. I'm, uh, I'm officially leading a thriving women's ministry in my home. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to start a GoFundMe for these three future weddings I'm going to have to pay for. So uh, if you'd like to contribute, come talk to me. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually praying that the rapture would happen before that, which if things keep going the way they're going in society, that might happen. Anyway, um, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6 this morning. So if you want to go ahead and open there as we continue our series. Um, and we've got a marvelous passage to study today. And it's a very familiar passage. Um, probably one of the more popular passages in all of the Old Testament, if not the entire Bible. And it's a very relevant uh, passage for us today, especially for those of us who, who desire to remain faithful, uh, especially during times of dark opposition. Um, and I was torn as I was prepping because there's so much going on in chapter 6 that you could really break it up into like two or three different sermons Uh, But it's such a beautiful passage when it's studied all together. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to work our way through the entire narrative of chapter 6. And I'm not going to read every verse or go over every detail in the chapter. But my prayer is that as we go through it, um, as we grasp the message of Daniel 6, my prayer is that we would be both encouraged and empowered because of the sovereignty of in providence of God, okay? That's my prayer. Um, but before we jump in, uh, would you bow with me and let's come before the Lord again in prayer. Well, Father God, we, we love you and we are so grateful right now um, to be able to worship you, to be able to study your word, and we ask that you wouldn't allow us to take this time for granted, but that your word would sink deep into our hearts and into our minds And it would lead us to worship. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, here's how we're going to break down the passage. Um, If you're taking notes, I I thought of some alliteration for you, for you type A people. I got your back. Um, But we're going to start. We're going to start with verses 1 through 3, which is about Daniel's promotion. Okay, so the first big theme is promotion. All right, then we'll move on to verses 4 through 9 which is about the enemy's plot. Okay, you see that promotion? Now plot. All the type A people are going, yeah. <laughs> okay, then, then we'll do verses 10 and 11, uh, which is about Daniel's prayer. Uh, from there, we'll go to verses 12 through 18, which is about Daniel's prosecution. And then lastly, we'll end in verses 19 through 28, which is about Daniel's protection. So that's where we're going, okay? Promotion. Plot, prayer, prosecution, protection. Okay, y'all ready? All right, let's jump in. Okay, let's start with Daniel's promotion, which is verses 1 through 3. Now, if you remember, back in chapter 1, okay, if you've been with us, you'll remember that, that Jerusalem had been conquered by the Babylonians, and Daniel, along with many others, had been deported to Babylon. And because of Daniel's faith, and because of the Lord's providence in Daniel's life, He had been promoted to the king's service where he had much influence. And then as Roger preached about last week at the end of chapter 5, and we see it again, 
today in the beginning of chapter 6 that there's a new regime that has taken over. As Babylon is defeated by a group called the Medes, which is a small group of autonomous tribes. And together with the Persians, they overtook the Babylonian kingdom, which Daniel predicted would happen. And the new king who's in charge is a guy by the name of Darius the Mede, and he ran his kingdom in a really organized way. Because in the first three verses, you'll notice that he appointed 120 satraps, or protectors of the kingdom, who would help him rule. And then we see in verse 2 that he appointed three guys who oversaw and managed these 120 officials. And of those three, he appointed one who would kind of be like his CEO, and that was Daniel. Uh, Which is really incredible, because you've got a new regime, you've got new leadership, and Daniel once again gets promoted to the top. Verse 3, it says, it was because of Daniel's extraordinary spirit that the king appointed him over the entire kingdom. And so we continue to see God's providential favor over Daniel. It doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter what kingdom is ruling. God's favor and his protection reigned over Daniel. And I want us to take a step back. To po- I want to point out something really important here that I think is very relevant to us today. And it's this. As you study history, you'll see that nations are born, they live, and then they die. Okay, all throughout history, you'll see that. Nations rise and they fall with great regularity. Whether that be the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Medes, the Greeks, the Romans. All of them, they came, they went, and they fell. But even though nations rise, and even though nations fall, our God is sovereign over all of it. Over all of it. We see in Acts 17, it shows us that the times of the nations are bounded up by the sovereignty of God. It is God who rules history. He runs the show. Nations come and nations go. But God's redemptive plan that will be accomplished through his people will go on. The people of God go on through the rise and fall of nations. Don't miss that. I think that's an important word for us today. Um, No matter who is elected in November, church, God's people are going to go on and accomplish the work that God has for them. Despite who's sitting behind that desk in the Oval Office, Jesus will still be seated on his throne. And we see that in Daniel. We see that in Daniel. Jerusalem's conquered. Babylon has fallen. But Daniel's right where God wants him. Right where God wants him. And that should give us a lot of hope today in 2020. Um, If I was honest with you, I I don't know what's going to happen in November. I don't know if things are going to get better or if things are going to get a lot worse. I'm not sure. But what I am sure of is that nothing is outside of my God's control. Jesus is king, and he's established his church, and he's placed his people, you and me, during this very specific time for a purpose. 
And that purpose is to glorify God and make him known to the nations. And while nations rise and while nations fall, the people of God transcend. And for those of us in Christ, God promises to work all things for good and the powers of hell will not be able to stop that. It's happening. So I tell you that because I don't want you to lose hope. Because I look around and I see a lot of hopelessness in our society right now. Not for the church. Uh Uh-uh. Our God's in control. And so we're going to keep grinding. We're going to keep trusting Him. And we're going to acknowledge Him in all of our ways. And we'll be sure that He's going to direct our paths. Amen? And that's what Daniel does here. New regime. New leadership. Same plan. Because God's sovereign. And Daniel knows that. So he keeps trusting Him. And because of God's providence, Daniel's been promoted once again, where he's going to have influence in this new pagan kingdom. Uh, But as many of you know and have probably experienced, with leadership comes opposition. With leadership comes opposition. Because when wicked people see a godly man or woman getting favored, uh, it leads to envy and jealousy. And that's what happens here in verses 4 through 9 where we see a plot against Daniel. It says in verse 4, Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel. And these guys, they didn't like Daniel, (laughs) because Daniel was a godly man. He didn't cut corners. He didn't gossip. He worked hard. He was faithful. He was disciplined, which is why he got promoted. And these government officials didn't like that because guys like Daniel, they set the bar higher for everybody else. Uh, Back when I used to coach, um, I used to talk to my players all the time about the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. (laughs) So thermometers just reflect the temperature. Whatever the temperature is, that's what the thermometer shows you. But thermostats, on the other hand, set the temperature. They impact the environment and dictate what the temperature should be. I used to tell my players, I said, don't be a thermometer in the classroom. I don't care what everyone else does. I don't care if everyone else acts like a fool. You're not going to do that. You're going to lead by example. You're going to listen to your teacher. You're going to do your homework. You're going to treat girls with respect the way that they deserve to be treated because you're a thermostat, not a thermometer. I'm about to bust out my whistle in church service, okay? I'm feeling it, okay? Daniel was a thermostat. Daniel was a thermostat. But the problem with being a thermostat in a wicked culture is that some people aren't going to like you because they don't care about integrity. And when you start to do things in a Christ-honoring way, it might make them look bad. And wicked people, that's all they care about is how they look. And so in order to boost their own self-esteem, they will try to tear you down. And that's what happens here with Daniel. They started looking for ways to accuse him. But the problem was Daniel did things the right way. So there was nothing to accuse him of. So they honed in on his faith because they knew Daniel. And they knew Daniel loved his God more than anything else. And if push came to shove, if Daniel had to choose between obeying God or obeying the government, 
there would be no contest. Daniel would choose God 100 out of 100 times. And these officials knew that. So they used Daniel's faith as ammo. And in verses 6 through 9, we see them come up with a plan and they make a request before the king. Because these officials also knew that King Darius was like most other kings. He liked himself a lot. And they knew that the king loved himself. And they knew that he wanted everyone else to think that he was awesome. And so they had these two realities. They knew that Daniel loved his God and he wouldn't forsake his faith. And they knew that the king loved himself. And because of that, would be prone to agreeing to really bad decisions. As long as it made him look awesome. And so they used these two realities to craft an evil plan as they stroked the ego of the king with a request that could be used against Daniel. And they said in verse 7, they said, Hey, king, what do you think about this? We want to help others realize how awesome you are. So why don't you issue a decree that anyone who prays to any god or man but you shall be put to death in the lion's den? And as they played on the arrogance and pride of Darius, their plan worked. For verse 9 says, King Darius signed the decree they proposed. You see, the trap set. Daniel is in trouble now, which leads us to verses 10 and 11, where we're going to see how Daniel responds, and that's with prayer. It says this in verse 10, if you want to follow with me. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Okay, let's take a step back and look at this. It's so powerful. Uh, we could unpack so much just from these short verses. But I want us to take notice of a few things as Daniel's praying. The first thing is this. Uh, it's easy to see that Daniel had some straight-up convictions when it came to his attitude and obedience to the government in which he lived and how that intersected with the word of God in which he followed. Now, clearly, we see all throughout the story of Daniel that Daniel was not unwilling to submit to pagan authorities as long as it did not contradict with his faith. And we're called to do the same thing. Romans 13 commands us to submit to Governing authorities, and we should make every effort to do so. But as we see in Daniel, once the governing authorities start to conflict with the word of God, Daniel chose faithfulness to God over submission to the government. So when the government said, Daniel, you can't pray anymore, he defiantly went to his room, got on his knees, and prayed to Almighty God just like he had always done. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, um, but our culture is shifting quite drastically. Quite drastically. Um, we live in the Bible Belt here in San Antonio, which means that our culture has been shaped by hopefully biblical principles and Christian virtues. Uh, but in my personal opinion, pretty soon here, if not already, there ain't going to be no Bible Belt. There ain't going to be no Bible Belt. Uh, there's a day coming, if it's not already here, where it's not going to be cool or common to be a Christian. And when that happens, you're going to find out what you're made of. 
Adversity doesn't create faith, but it sure does give you an opportunity to reveal it. And in these interesting days that lie ahead, I'm praying earnestly that the Lord would grant his church courage like Daniel, who even in the face of death did not forsake his faith, but he trusted his God. And I want you to notice here too that Daniel had a habit of prayer. Okay, look at the end of verse 10. It says, Daniel prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. (laughs) That's big. For many people, the only time we pray is when we're caught between a rock and a hard place. Okay, when we're in a bind, when, when things are rough, like that's when we pray. I mean, the only time that I prayed in high school is when I was taking a test. <laughs> I said, Lord God, I did not study for this test, but please reward my laziness and help me to guess supernaturally. Amen, please, Jesus. Okay, that was my prayer life. You lack because you did the same thing. Okay, you did the same thing. It's okay, there's grace. Praise God. Okay, but I want you to notice here that Daniel wasn't just praying because he was going through some adversity. No, Daniel was praying because that's just what he always did. That's what he always did. Daniel was a man of prayer. He had cultivated times in his life in order to reflect and recognize his utter dependence upon Almighty God, and he wanted to fellowship with him and orientate his life around his character, so he made it a habit to get away three times a day. And so in the midst of opposition, he just continued doing what he always had done. He went to his room. He opened up his windows. He looked out towards Jerusalem in order to remind him of the covenant promises that God had made with his people. And he prayed, trusting God with his life. Now, remember, Daniel's probably around 80 years old at this point in time. More than likely during this moment, he's reflecting on the fact that God has been faithful to him for 80 years now. I know we got some older saints in here that could say amen. And I know he looked at this situation and said, if God's been faithful for 80 years, why won't he be faithful in this circumstance as well? Daniel's prayer life fueled his courage. And my question for you, church, is have you cultivated daily times? in your life, for focused, intentional prayer. If you're like, man, that needs to grow. Me too. So let's grow together. And I want you to think through, how can I make that more of a priority in my life? Uh, My wife and I don't do this perfectly. A lot of room for growth. uh, But we pray with our daughters uh, before every meal. And then we pray with them right before bed. Um, And it's not glamorous, okay? Not at all. Uh, most of the time they're distracted. I don't even know if they're listening, right? They're kids. They're kids. But we do it before every meal and before bed every single day because my prayer is that as we do that, they're going to learn the value of cultivating time in order to express our needs to God, but also to thank him for their blessings. And my prayer is that it'll stick with them the rest of their lives. And we see that here with Daniel. We see that here with Daniel because he's a man of prayer. And then in verse 11, uh, these government officials catch Daniel in the act of praying to his God, which is what they were hoping for, and they quickly ran off to tell the king, and that's what verses 12 through 18 is all about, and that's Daniel's prosecution. It says this in verse 12, it says, they approached the king, and they reminded him of the decree in which he signed, 
that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides the king would be thrown into the lion's den. And the king replied. He said, yeah, that's true. According to the law of Medes and Persians, that decree may not be revoked. To which they gladly responded to in verse 3, I mean verse 13, where they revealed, and we'll start reading there, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed. But he keeps making his petition three times a day. Then as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed. And he set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. And then these men came by agreement to the king. And they said to the king, recognize, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king gave orders. And Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace, and he spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Let's pause there. Um, it's pretty easy to tell from this passage that Darius, King Darius, is pretty distraught. Uh, he made a terrible mistake. He knows he's been played, that his ego was used against him, but he also knows the law of the land. And he knows there's nothing that he can do now in order to save Daniel, so he has no choice but to throw Daniel to the lions. And, you know, as, as you're reading that, like, there's something about that picture that seems like radically wrong. Like something about that picture seems radically wrong. Like here's a man, he's been faithful. He's innocent. He's following God. He's doing what's right. Yet despite all of that, he's thrown to the lions. Been faithful his whole life and he's thrown to the lions. It's the age old question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, some of you are sitting here right now, or you're listening online, and you, you reflect on your own life, and you're asking God, like, why am I going through this? Like, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm not perfect, but I, I trust you. Like, why am I going through this? Why am I suffering right now? And the hard part about life is we don't see the full picture. We don't see the full picture. Our view, our perception of things, especially when it comes to suffering, is limited at best. Uh, there are times when we really just don't know why something is happening. Like God hasn't given us the purpose or the reason. And the truth of the matter is, God at times deals with his children in sometimes strange and difficult ways. Roger mentioned this verse a couple weeks ago. But in Isaiah 55, verse 10, the Lord says, My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are above your ways, and my thoughts are above your thoughts. Um, sometimes the way the Lord moves is mysterious. It's mysterious. And while we don't always have an answer 
for the suffering that we experience at times, what we do know about God is that he looks beyond just the immediate, but into the future. Uh, We see in Romans 8 that God tells us that he is indeed working all things for good. Okay, even Daniel 6 is a reminder of the glorious verse in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, where we see that even in the midst of evil madness, God will use it for good. And often, God will use your personal sufferings and your personal hardships as a testimony and a ministry to your non-believing friends and neighbors. And I've seen that in my own life. Some of my greatest ministry opportunities have come on the heels of suffering. And I wouldn't prefer that. (laughs) I wouldn't have drawn it up that way. I would have told God, hey, I would have gone this way. Um, But God's sovereign. And he does things his way. But he's good. And he promises that he will use our suffering as a testimony for his glory and our good. And that's what we see in this passage. Daniel's suffering will be used in order to display that the God of Daniel is the living God who endures forever and whose kingdom will never be destroyed and whose dominion will never end. And that's what we read about in our last section as God supernaturally protects Daniel from the jaws of real lions. So let's pick back up in verse 19. It says this. Then the king arose at dawn at the break of day And he went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever, was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel and they cast them, their children and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who are living in all the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Remember how I said this could easily be two to three sermons? (laughs) Like There's so much beautiful truth here. But let me close our time by just highlighting a couple things. This section is a powerful reminder that God is able to deliver you just like he did with Daniel. Here in this passage, God supernaturally protects Daniel by sending his angel 
to shut the mouths of real lions. And our God can do the same thing with the lions that are in your life as well. If God wants to eradicate the cancer that's in your body, he can. He can. If God wants to save your child, he can. He can do that. If God wants to heal you that addiction that you've always struggled with, he can. He can. If God wants to rid our world of the coronavirus right now as I'm speaking, he can. He can do that. He's able. But it doesn't always happen like that, does it? Isaiah believed God, and he was sawn in half. Paul believed God, and they took an axe, and they severed his head away from his body. Peter believed God, and he was crucified upside down. Stephen believed God, and they stoned him to death. Faith in God doesn't mean that the lions aren't going to eat you. There have been plenty of martyrs all throughout history that have died at the hand of evil men. Now, faith in God means that we trust in his sovereign plan in his providence, no matter what that may entail. And I honestly believe that when Daniel went to the lion's den, he didn't know if he was going to be eaten or not. But one thing that Daniel was certain of is that God was going to get his glory no matter what happened. Whether he lived or whether he died, God was going to use this situation for good, and it would be a testimony to the nations. Walking in faith means... That we trust in God's will for our lives, no matter what that entails. If it's to live, then we're going to live for God's glory. If it's to die, then we are going to die for God's glory. But whether we live or whether we die, we are never, ever defeated. For we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, whether Daniel died or whether he lived, Daniel could not lose. He couldn't lose. Either that angel was going to protect Daniel and he was going to shut the mouths of the lions or that angel was going to allow those lions to shred him apart and he was going to usher Daniel right into the very presence of God. But one way or another, Daniel was going to win. He was going to win And God was going to get his glory. And the same is true for us, church, because of Jesus Christ. Because just as Daniel was sealed in the lion's den, so Jesus was sealed in the tomb. And in both cases, this human sealing led to greater glory as he brought Daniel out of the pit and he raised Jesus from the tomb. You see, Jesus is the true and better Daniel. He's the great deliverer who will save you from your sin. He is the living and eternal God. His kingdom knows no end. It will not be destroyed. And there is a day coming when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to emphatically shut the mouth of every evil lion there has ever been. And there will only be one roar, and that's the Lion of Judah. 
If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. He'll save you. He's able. Do you feel like you're too far gone? Do you feel like you're too far broken? Join the club. Our God loves to heal broken sinners if they will call on him by his name. We are saved by grace, not by our works, through faith in Christ alone as he took our punishment on the cross just because he wanted to. He's that good. Will you turn to him? If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'd love to talk to you more about him after the end of the service. If you're online, please email me. I'd love to talk to you more about that. For the rest of us, for those of you that do believe in Jesus, keep believing in Jesus. He's going to protect you for all eternity. For those of us in Christ, we cannot lose. We can't lose. I realize these are hard times. A lot of us are struggling. We don't know what's next. God's sovereign. He's placed you here for a reason. He's going to guide you. Keep following him. Keep trusting him. He loves you. He goes before you. Walk with him. He's going to work it for good. Amen. All right, let's pray. Well, Father God, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful. It does not come back void. It always accomplishes the work that you set out for it. And I pray right now that you would have your way with your people. God, we need you. We're struggling. There's so much unknown. There's so much uncertainty. God, please encourage our hearts. Give us courage like Daniel. Help us to always remember that you're going to work all things for good. You're going to accomplish your purpose through us. We need you, Lord. God, we give you our lives. Use us for your glory, whatever that may be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for those of you online, thanks for joining us, and we will hopefully see you again next week.